2: Hello and welcome to the MK1 podcast. A podcast for myself, Ross, and Joe. Talk everything Milton Keynes Dons. First of all, gents, how are we doing, Ross?
3: Uh, yeah, I'm doing great, thanks. A massive week ahead for the Dons.
2: Yeah, that's an understatement and a half. Uh, Joe, how about yourself? Yeah, not too bad, thanks, mate. Yeah, good. Um, I say I, I was kind of hoping Don to make my birthday weekend a bit better, but unfortunately, they made it a little bit worse. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it is what it is. And of course, we have um, Jonathan
1: back on the podcast. Uh, Jonathan, how you doing? Yeah, all good. A bit better than I was at five o'clock last night. But uh, hey, we move on. Yeah,
2: I think that's a statement that all of us can uh, apply ourselves to. I suppose. Well so yeah, let's crack on with uh, what happened yesterday and the absolute. Well, I don't know if a better word to put it other than shambles, um, quite frankly. Uh, yeah, so lost to Blackpool 1-0 on the road. Uh, continue our streak of not winning an away game in the league for God knows how long. Pretty sure our last trip there was our last away win. Um, and yeah, the XG battle we actually tied on. So it shows that the, you know, both teams weren't actually that good. they uh, both be both 0.5 XG. Uh, so it was literally just that one chance from uh, Sully Kaikai Kai that went in. And um, we're going to get on to quite a bit of that game and how it happened, but the defensive mistakes for that goal were unforgivable, especially for a manager of Martin. You see how disappointed he was um, with how that all went. Ross, what are your thoughts on uh, Blackpool yesterday and how it all went down?
3: Um, It was a very lacklustre performance, first of all. Um, Same in the possession stats uh, with 60.4% possession. Um, but only the one shot on target for us. I felt like we neutralised their attack very well. And as you say, Liam, there was one defensive uh, mistake in the solo Kai Kai chance. But overall, I felt like we, um, as I say, we neutralised that Blackpool attack. Only two shots on target throughout like, the whole game. Um, in the first half, I, f- I felt like um, yeah, we had most of possession of the ball, but we we're trying to work out um, they were pressing very high. So, I, I felt like we were trying to tire them down at times. So, first half, we, uh, we played actually quite well, I thought. But there was a few individuals which um, didn't impress me in the first half. And I felt um, Mason was very isolated on his own. Um, and we lacked Cameron Jerome in the sense of the link up play with Morris. So, overall, um, I'm very disappointed with the result. But um, we'll go into it more later on.
2: Yeah, it often feels like, you know, and mine talks about how, you know, we get in possession of all these games, taking control of them. But ultimately, that's because the team against us wants us to do that. That's what they game plan for. It's not it's not a privilege to have this possession. It's almost it's a poison chalice in a sense, if you want to give it that sort of description. And, you know, that's why Blackpool didn't ultimately, you know, do what they typically do with possession, because for one, we had it and two, they game planned against that. Uh, Joe, what are your thoughts on how uh, yesterday went at Blackpool?
4: It's it's weird because at nil nil, you kind of with with how we've been, a nil nil for us is kind of it looks quite good, and I think Martin Martin is I I, I, I couldn't I couldn't agree more with his post match comments. He said, you know, you could see that the the spaces were starting starting to open up. And okay, we we didn't really create much, but we were in control. We hadn't given. I think the only shot we conceded before the goal was a thirty-yard free kick, and to do that away away from home is, is it's no mean feat. But at the same time, we we're just a little bit lacklustre ourselves. But as I said, spaces started opening up, and then and I'm I'm really glad Martin came out, and he, he's not defending anyone anymore, and he's straight up said it was just awful defending. People aren't picking up a men up their men, just the simple tasks and ultimately, I mean, the keeper couldn't do anything for the goal. And it's just such a shame and it's it's really frustrating because I think we've seen in the last two or three games that teams are just fouling us constantly. They're breaking up our play on momentum. I think there's 25 fouls um, that Blackpool made yesterday and it's just so difficult for this style of play to build up any sort of momentum. Um, I feel Mason... I don't I don't feel Mason I think yeah Ross Ross well he was just isolated. I don't think he played particularly bad, but he just I think he was really up against it because Mason, we know what Mason's like. He's not the sort of striker that's gonna be running in behind and stretching defenses. He's he's a fox in the box and he's gonna be looking on looking for, for scraps and tappings. and that and that's how he plays. And I feel that when we do play a system with, with like this with the two strikers. It, it's worked best when Morris has been coming deep, picking up the ball, linking up play, and that was just something we severely lacked yesterday. now.
2: Yeah, I mean, I agree with the uh, Mason isolation comments. I'll just say that if that was the case, then it's probably the wrong game for him. Obviously, it's easy to say that in hindsight, but, you know, well, I, I guess Martin thought we'd create more chances than we did, um, which obviously mm. would make a lot of sense. But...
4: but I don't think Mason necessarily did much wrong. I just don't think he... I just think it was. It's just it was totally just not that sort of game for him, and really hard for his him to actually use what he is good at.
2: Yeah, yes yeah, fair enough, completely. Uh, Jonathan, what are your thoughts on um, yesterday? I know you mentioned before uh, we kicked off that if it was five pm, you'd have a different opinion completely. But uh, have you changed the views much since then?
1: Well, having watched the, uh, the highlights back and sort of had like nearly twenty four hours to sort of calm down, um, I agreed the first half. Although it wasn't spectacular, it was, it was a solid first half. And then you're thinking, right, usually this season we've been a second half team. You think Ipswich, you think Portsmouth, second half. We, we normally uh, put it up a gear. But I don't know what it was. It just felt like we didn't want to score. Um, I don't think Chris Maxwell had any sort of save to make. Can't actually remember him coming up in any sort of commentary. Um, I know they said that we had one or two shots on target, but if they classed that um, Fraser deflection as a shot on target, then uh, <laughs> lost all hope. It's generous. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, but I just felt even after they scored, we just, we just gave nothing. And I thought to myself before the game, Blackpool the, could be the least perfect opposition for us to start picking up points. And now we're going into a period of games where... It's it's more we, we need to win rather than we have to win. And it just it's just really annoying how our performances have gone so backwards from Ipswich and Portsmouth to this last current week with Oxford and, and Blackpool. But I suppose in hindsight, you can sort of say the opposition knew exactly how we were going to play. I think Russell Martin said pre-Blackpool that Carl Robinson basically said he changed his tactics for us. So... As frustrating as it is, we do need to find some form of plan B.
2: Yeah, I don't think it takes a genius to work out you want to keep possession of the football. Um, and you know, as I said before with uh, Joe's comments, you know, they're gonna they're gonna change and we we can't be too predictable. We have to have a plan B and a plan C. And I'm pretty sure Ross mentioned this in the last episode. Um, yeah, I couldn't agree more with your comments. Um, so if we move into the first subject we have written down, and it was regarding you know, being back to being punished for defensive mistakes, you know, Kier was brought back in after his uh, absence against Oxford and he shot at the back line, like, as we expected him to do, you know, they didn't really give that many chances away as described, you know, I think it was two shots on target for Blackpool in the whole game. And of course the one that, the one that did go in was just the one mistake we did make, which is in my opinion, just ball watching from Williams and not picking up his man ultimately. Um, and yeah, it was kind of a role reversal from Oxford, as you know, we created a lot of chances against Oxford, and just didn't put them away. To Blackpool, where we're just creating nothing and just being punished because ultimately we didn't create anything. We didn't give Blackpool any pressure at all on their goal. Um, Jonathan, what are your thoughts on you know how we potentially go back to our bad ways of being punished for defensive mistakes?
1: Um, I'm just hoping it's it's a one-off because. Ultimately, this season, I think we've been. Obviously, we have made mistakes. You can every game, you can think, right? There's been a mistake there, whether it's the penalty against Lincoln or the mistake of like certain mistakes. The mistake there was a big mistake for the Ipswich game as well, and it's got me thinking. Russell Martin was a quality centre back when he played. I mean, he played at the highest level, and you'd have thought that his first concern would have been sorting out this defence and getting us getting us rock solid. Um, I'm not saying we've got got bad defenders. I think um, someone mentioned on the um, Oxford pod midweek how Bailey Cargill was put in, in the wrong position. And he's, I don't know, I just felt like he'd, he'd been punished for following instructions because he wasn't even in the squad yesterday. Um, well, unless he was injured, that we didn't know about. But anyway... Um, I just feel, I just feel that sometimes they just need to. Uh, we, it's hard, it's hard to describe. But if we yeah. can sort of be more sort of as a as a cohesive unit, and I'm I'm meaning a bit more help from sort of maybe I don't know Kasumu dropping it a bit further back and, uh, and helping out. He he did track back a few times to be fair. I think he. Uh, before, just before Blackpool scored, he, he tracked back and covered. But I, I just feel that, A, he needs to sort out who his back five is and then keep him for four or five games, sort of just get them used to each other. Because if you remember under Tisdale when he first started, you could name the back five straight away without, um, without even think, thinking about it. And now you're thinking, right, who's he going to swap? Who's coming in this week or this game? He just needs a bit of continuity there, I think. Yeah, I mean, yeah,
2: perfect. I mean, we said it we said it last episode, right, how we thought maybe Harvey would be rested or or, or Hora may come in for Williams. Um, we just don't know. I'm not sure that they know either. You know, pre kickoff you'd imagine that that's the back five going forward. But, after, I mean, I don't think they played that bad. I saw some comments saying how, you know, they maybe made... Stakes in possession, but that's always going to come when you're playing that sort of style of football. You're going to make mistakes; it's how you react to them ultimately. And apart from the goal, I thought I did okay. Um, but you know, there's it's going into Tuesday. There's going to be more questions of rotation. Is Williams going to be rested after, in my opinion, a poor performance? And yeah, I mean, the only guaranteed player in the team seems to be Fisher out of that back five or back six to so, say sorry. Uh, Ross, what are your thoughts on? You know Jonathan's comments and the defensive mistakes that have propped up again. I suppose
3: I think Jonathan nailed it on the head. Really, um, in the case of sticking with our with the back line we normally go for, and going for as John, Jonathan says, four to five games. I felt like, as you say, Liam, the part the part the um, defensive mistake for the goal. We were, we were very resolute at that back line, um, but I also felt like. Everyone can blame that, that line and um, in the Kios and your Williamses, but ultimately it's got you've got to collect it as a team team performance as such. So like um, instead of it being a defensive error, make it a team error because of as Russell um, said at post match, he did say that there were many many things involving up to the goal, marking on the edge of the box. Um, not marking a man on the throwing, etc. So, there's many factors which play into the goal, but overall, um, I felt like that defence was um, very strong. So, I think in at this sort of level, all teams will get punished eventually, even the Ipswiches and Lincolns, but it's just um, conceding the goal at the wrong time and giving them momentum, as we say, because of Blackpool, part of that goal, as Russ said, he they just kicked the ball up the pitch right back to us and we didn't do anything with it. So if we did put them under pressure, maybe as you say, the the result would have been different.
2: Yeah, completely agree. As mentioned at the start, you know, the XG was exactly the same. So we were as bad as each other ultimately. It was just that like one chance that went in that yeah, it it was one one mistake and that was the that's how, you know, brutal League One is, I suppose. Uh Joe, do you have any further comments on Know the defence and maybe making it a team effort rather than just you know blaming it on five people on the team.
4: Yeah, I th- I think but I, I was just having a little look just then, and th- I think it's the three games where Williams, Keo, and Lewington have started. I think w- we've been really solid, and it was Portsmouth, Gillingham, and Blackpool. And in that in those games, we only gave up uh five shots on target, and we've conceded four of them. It's so it's it's, and I think Martin said it himself. It's not that we're leaking. Fifteen shots a game. It's not that we're conceding twenty shots a game and we're absolutely being battered. It's it's just the 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 moment. It's the lapses of concentration. And I do think I must say I do think it is more difficult because if you're I don't know say a, a, like a Burnley in the Premier League, you know you're you're going to be all game. You're going to have bo- balls coming into the box. You're going to be under pressure and you're going to be always hundred percent switched on. But I think with our players because we spend so much time without with the ball. That sometimes, whenever the opposition gets the ball, they're just not—they just don't seem composed and just seem to panic sometimes. And, and these are people that, are, like Williams, I, I think he's—he's—I think Williams, Keo, and Lewington are all solid defensively, but just a, as a unit, it just doesn't seem to be working. But I think that's only going to happen with time. I mean, that that three have only played uh, well three games together, and I think as well, what w- one example of. Just, I think they need to trust the goalkeeper that's behind them because, okay, Nichols came out and then stopped for the goal for the um, the header against Oxford that we conceded, but the 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 defense should have still cleared it. You know, they they still allowed the guy to get a free header. But I just think it's the communication and trust you need to have with your goalkeeper as well. And I think just over that's the thing that only time can sort. But I, I think Martin was spot on. He was saying it's not it's not the system that's making us concede all these goals. Because the shots we're conceding, then it's it's just absolutely bizarre that we're conceding so many goals for it. It's just because every single mistake seems to be leading directly to a goal.
2: Yeah, and um, quickly, I was referred to a former guest of ours, Martin, who tweeted out, and he sort of tweeted out, how about, you know, we've sort of seen the team with Keo and how the defence was showed up and how the attack hmm. wasn't so great when Jerome was on the pitch and vice versa. So... Hopefully on Tuesday, and we'll get into our predicted starting 11s later for Wigan. Um, how if hopefully we see Jerome and Keogh on the pitch because that typically leads to better performances, and hopefully that'll be the case on Tuesday. Um, yeah, so you briefly touched on um the goalkeeper behind them, Joe, and that goalkeeper behind them on Saturday was Andrew Fisher, it wasn't Lee Nichols. Um, no, you know, he came in, we, we spoke about it on the pod, and you know, rightly so, I guess, as he came in and I thought he had a pretty good game actually. Um, you know, he was solid. Didn't couldn't do much about the goals he spoke about. You know, it was a pretty good finish from Kai Kai, and it was more the players in front of his fault than actually his. Uh, I thought he commanded his area well um, and didn't put foot wrong really. And I think Martin agreed in his post-match interview. Uh, Joe, why don't you you mentioned about Fisher already? Why don't you give your thoughts on his performance overall on Saturday?
4: Um, yeah yeah I, I mean I, I was prepared to still give Lee a bit of time but I, I guess Martin had seen enough and I, I think that is one thing we have to praise Martin for recently is that he has been ruthless and he's he's not afraid to tread on toes and if he, he's not scared to make the big calls we're seen uh, we we've seen that with I mean unless he was injured but Cargill he, he had seemingly not a great game against Oxford and he, he wasn't even in the squad. And uh, yeah, Nichols again made made a mistake on Tuesday and, uh, and uh, in comes Fisher. And I, I think he, he had as solid as a debut as possible. I mean, you can't do much about that shot from 10 yards. A free shot from 10 yards is virtually a penalty. So the goal was not his fault by any means. But I think every time there was a cross into the box, he didn't fumble anything. He, he just looked calm and assured. And I think if you've got a keeper that's always coming and flapping at the ball or punching it away. I just think it's just not very assuring for the defenders. And I think it would just be good for the for the defenders knowing that they do have the option if they need to to pass back to Fish and not 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 necessarily be concerned and know that he'll be able to help retain the ball a bit better. So yeah I, I think I think it could help our defence just in terms of one playing out and two just being a little bit more assured hopefully.
0: Yeah,
2: I only agree with that. Really, um, Ross, did you have any thoughts on how Fisher played on Saturday?
3: Uh, not really so much, other than as as Joe said that he was a good debut. Um, I, I've always had my questions about Fisher. Sort of, I'm a big fan of Lee's Lee Nichols, and arguably, and I know Joe he's ten yards out, but maybe uh, due to be Lee being a top-topper, maybe he could have done something about it. But I'm not going to question Fisher's ability because, as Joe says it's practically like a penalty. so I'm not going to question him on that. But in the first half, I noticed that Fish was very composed. And he wasn't scared to come out of his area. And I felt like his passing ability was um, a bit more fluent compared to Lee Nichols's. And I um, felt like when Blackpool tried to press us, he didn't panic. And, uh, yeah, I, I, was, I was impressed by him. But I also noticed um, there was one chance where, I think it was CJ Hamilton who was through on goal. And uh, Fisher was ready to come out off of, off his line and sweep the ball out for a throwing. So it's pleasing uh, to see Fisher um, having a positive debut, as I say. Um, I hope he follows it on to Tuesday's game.
2: Yeah, sounds like he's starting, doesn't it? Based off what Martin said, no reason to drop him really. So, uh,
1: Jonathan, anything to add on Andrew Fisher's performance? Well, I think it, it as. as both lads have said it's been a really solid debut Um, it it felt like he was more confident playing the way Russell Martin wanted to play Um, he didn't mind um, passing it long if the option was on, I think there were a couple of long passes that he hit the target I think there was one that he pinged out to um, Regan Paul or Daniel Harvey that was right on the money Um, there was almost like an I wouldn't say arrogance, but there was like a swagger. Like when he came for the ball, it he, he was like, it's going to be mine and I don't care who who I get in the way of to, to get the ball. Um, and it, it just feels like, as Ross said, I'm not having a go at Lee. We all we all know how good Lee can be on his day. He's certainly one of the best goalkeepers in, in League One. I just feel that, I know it's only one game, but it just feels like Andrew Fisher already knows this this system inside out. Um, as Ross said, he, he came out to stop Hamilton. Um, his distribution was really quick as well. I don't know if you, you guys noticed that. Um, it was yeah, yeah. More than about three or four seconds it was in his hand and no, he was throwing it out or he was kicking it. Whereas Lee would take a good 10, 11 seconds sometimes to, to make his decision. But I suppose, I suppose Lee's not really sort of played this system until this season and the back end of last season so he's not really had a full season of playing this really um, I just hope mentally that um, if if called upon Lee be ready to step back in and uh, be back to his best
2: Yeah I suppose that's the next point right isn't it you know what limits do we get to with Fisher where say he has a poor game is Nickel straight back in the frame or is Fisher given more of a chance and I suppose that's all a time frame thing right we don't know how long how long that could be? Could that be the next game? Could that be two months from now? We don't know. Um, but yeah, I thought it was pretty well on Saturday, Fisher, and uh, well done to him. Um, Jonathan, I know you mentioned about this last topic you want to talk about before we move on to Wigan. Um, you mentioned about how a lack of plan B, uh, a lack of plan the was, sorry, to help Fraser in the, on the pitch. Do you want to elaborate on that for us?
1: Well, we all know the great start um, Scott Fraser got off to, um, sort of. For playing for us, Um, he had a really good game against Portsmouth. He basically ran the show against Gillingham, and then these last two games against um, Oxford and Blackpool, he's obviously been a marked man. I mean, everyone well must now know that when we when Scott Fraser plays well, we play well, sort of sort of thing. And I just feel that he needs a bit bit of support around him. It just feels like. It sort of just feels like, in a way, it almost feels like Alex Gilby, when he was going through his period, it was almost like, give the ball to Gilby and see what magic he can work, whether it's um, taking on a few players or producing a cross or a shot. And I just feel that yesterday's set with um, Kasumi and Thompson, um, I just feel he needs needs a bit of support, whether it's Jerome dropping to um, help him out and, Hold on to the ball, or Morris, or I don't know, someone like Lassie Sorensen or Ben Gladwin that can that can um, carry the ball um, to to take the pressure off Fraser, so he's got the space to do his damage. Um, I don't know what you boys think. I just feel the last last two games, I just feel like he's been a he's been a bit lost, really.
2: Yeah, I mean, well, I think with obviously Fraser's accolades in the league last season and what he's done so far. He's a bit of a marksman. man. Um, and I suppose that's why we spoke about, and Jack obviously um from the previous episode mentioned how you know maybe we should see a Gladwin um incorporated to midfield with Fraser um and front of whoever the pivot will be. Um because you know, yeah, I think you're right, he does need support. He's not a one-man band. Um there's, there's two of in that midfield with him, as well as the you know, wing backs and the strikers who are ultimately responsible for creating chances and getting goals. Um and yeah, I'd agree, personally, um, you know, it's difficult for him to have these standout games and do it all when the, the rest of the team isn't really helping him out. Um, Ross, have you got any thoughts so much, Jonathan, said about Fraser?
3: No, I couldn't agree more, to be honest. Um, I felt like in the first half, our wing-backs were getting a bit of um, areas where we could have punished them um, with crosses. But when we did make crosses, there wasn't actually anyone in the box which was quite concerning. Um, but I, f- I feel like it's the same with the back line. I feel like we've, we've got to go with the same three in the midfield. So, um, other than me Presum- being number one spot um, in that deep role, um, I feel like we've got to have someone alongside Fraser who's going to play week in, week out. I know we're going into a, a fixture congestion and all this, um, But I feel like when Gladwin came on, he brought that physical presence in that midfield and he tried to spray the balls out wide to Paul and Harvey. Uh, But that was when, in the second half, when we started creating some space. So I feel like we've got to, as we said with the defence, we've got to have some momentum and just stick at it with a set three and hope for the best. Because if we keep popping and changing it, they're not going to have that partnership like Morris and Droma are having up top. Which we've seen glimpses of in the past few games, so I do feel do feel for Fraser in a sense, but we've just got to stick at it. But also, I wanted to just to mention that I've just got to um, admire Russell Martin and Luke Williams are sticking at, with their um, philosophy in the three-five-two. Any manager who who was in the relegation zone um, would have panicked and changed the formation. But they've actually had the bravery and uh, the persistence to, uh, and hopefully it will pay off in the long term. And I just wanted to uh, highlight that factor also.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, well, they clearly believe in it. You know, as Joe mentioned for his comments, he doesn't believe the system is the issue. And from you know, when it's good, it's really good. And we've seen you know the peak of this system in its full flow so far this season. And uh, yeah, it looks good. So it's just about you know, as you said. Ross, it's about, you know, getting the right formulas in terms of positions and players and then, you know, translating that onto the pitch and who knows when it could happen, it could happen next game which, uh, of course, that would be ideal or it could happen maybe for a little while. Uh, Joe, do you have anything to add on uh, Jonathan's and Ross's comments?
4: Uh, yeah, just, just quickly, I'd like to say that I thought in the Gillingham game um, I think it was. I thought it was Thompson that pretty much set up both goals. He he put Regan pull through for the cutback for Jerome, and he also um, he also uh, put Morris through. And so I, I do feel Thompson, although slightly different, maybe Thompson through his passing ability. But I do feel like he, he's he he's um, he, he has stepped up and and helped out a bit. And I feel I feel when we when we have so much of the ball. And we're also playing three defenders. I, I would love just to see us have another attacker in there alongside um, alongside uh, uh, um, Fraser and another player who perhaps has less defensive responsibilities. And who's to say that we couldn't maybe play, I don't know, a Fraser and a Kasumu and then maybe even three strikers. And then maybe you have, say, a Walker and uh, a Morris and maybe they go a little bit wider. I'm just thinking off the cuff here, but I'm just thinking, you know, with with the amount of ball we have, why shouldn't we be having? I, I think Fraser and Gladwin both starting is more than feasible lineup, because so, so so often it is just a little bit stagnant in that final third, and I do think other people do need. I like with Fraser, for instance, if people aren't making the runs, and Fraser's not going to be able to, to thread those balls through and I think one thing we did see with Jerome was that he's he's more than capable of making those runs and stretching the defense and creating space for others and I do feel that yesterday we did just lack that a little bit so you know if, if there isn't movement and there good passes on then you know Fraser's not going to create anything out of nothing so I feel that of that even the front line have got to play their part, part a little bit more in that regard
2: yeah, I agree. You know, it's, as much as the defensively, it's team effort. It's all sort of saying, going the other direction. Um, yeah, I couldn't agree with your thoughts at all, Joe. So that's enough about uh, Blackfall. Quite frankly, I'm glad to get that out of my head. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, there wasn't the best performance, was it? Um, but we've got Wigan at home. It's a big week for us, two home games. Um, but obviously, Wigan is the focus first. Uh, Joe, why don't you introduce us to Wigan Athletic?
4: Um, yeah, they've had... About- mixed bag recent uh mixed bag this season they've obviously they've got real off the field issues and, and we, we, we would we, we, I'm sure we all wish them well with that and hope things get resolved as soon as possible but on the pitch it's kind of weird because they've got a shell of their team from last season but it's I mean let's face it last season they were, were a mid-table championship team until their their points uh points deduction came into place but they've got mate, like some of the fringe players from that team left and uh, they've also got a new manager in John Sheridan um, so far this season played a 1-2, drawn one and lost five so not the best and they sit in 18th. Um, they've only scored six goals which I believe may be uh, among, among some of the lowest in the league and conceded uh, and 12 as well so I believe we're, we've conceded 12 as well so it does not make for that great reading in terms of how they play, they're they're fairly average for possession and pass accuracy, um, but but they do like a long ball. And uh, one of the players I, I I picked out, I saw a um a pass map. I believe it's um uh, diamond F- formation. Uh, the, the the Twitter account he does some um, some really really great pass maps. And uh, Lee Evans, he's he can play it as a number ten, or he can sit a bit deeper, and he's uh. He's. I've noticed that he loves to spread the ball out, wise playing these long balls and switches of play. And um, I think I feel like that could be a really dangerous tactic when they've got people like Gavin Massey and uh, Solomon Ottebor on the wings. They've played a couple of different formations this season. They've played a four-two-three-one, and and also a four-four-two. And they've got they've got real options because they've got Joe Garner and Will Keane, who were both. Pretty pretty experienced strikers. You know what you're going to get with them. They're going to be horrible to play against. They're not. They're not going to be running in behind. But they'll. they if if you put balls in the box, then they're going to cause trouble and really just not make defenders' life easy. Um, but I mean, a couple of positives, I guess they they've uh, had the least amount of shots on target in the league. So. I guess I guess for us it's not necessarily wondering whether we can keep them out on our end. It's more just a fact of whether or not we'll be able to break them down. And uh, I mean I, I, I just I just hope that this game is the one that we could can do. But I think going forward, there's no doubt they have got some quality players, but I, I do think that I do think that we we should fare a bit better in this game, especially as in the games we have played this season against teams that tend to play longer balls and tend to not favour as much as a, of a, a passing style. So, you know, Northampton, Gillingham, we, we seem to do quite well in those games. So uh, I, I'm fairly hopeful for Tuesday.
2: Yeah, so I was looking at their defensive stats and a lot of chance of creation and uh, having a clean sheet since the start of the month, I believe, and that's all competition. So that's certainly hopeful when, you know, we're, we're looking to maybe you know, bring Jerome back in and hopefully give a bit of support to Fraser through the lights of Gladwin and maybe even Lassus said we might finally see he come back into the lineup. Yeah,
1: um,
2: yeah. But yeah, I'm 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 a lot I'm really hopeful for uh Tuesday and it's strange coming off such a bad performance. Um but you know you know ready forward to get to our hearts crossed again. Yeah well maybe maybe um i suppose it the defense Wigan shows up right when Milton Keane shows up. Yeah
4: um
2: Ross, why don't you give us your thoughts on Wien Athletic in general? Maybe some points that uh, Joe elaborated on.
3: Keep the positivity up. Um, <laughs> first of all, I think Joe, Joe Gardiner has to get a mention because of, I know uh, in recent years he's completely had our defence on strings, especially when he played at Preston. Um, he's a nasty piece of work. He loves to scrap. And I feel like um, if our players act like they did against Oxford, uh, we're going to be in for a long night, unfortunately, but um, let's hope our players keep our heads, etc. Um, something I noticed that uh, we're going to struggle to put away the chances, uh, which is quite ironic considering that uh, we're doing the exact same. Um, if not, we, are, we aren't we are creating any, um, but uh, they like to play a very high line. And I feel like our wing backs can exploit that and, um, I'm hoping that Harvey and Paul can get in uh, in behind and uh, hopefully um, Cameron and Jerome get a tap-in similar to the Oxford game. But, um, yeah, Wigan are a very aggressive team and um, they like to press. And I feel like with that Blackpool performance, and um, especially in that first half, and you could say the same with the Oxford game also, um, we struggled when we were under pressure. So um, I assume that Helton's going to get played um, over Kasumu due to him being suspended, so um, it's quite concerning. So obviously, Houghton's not as mobile as Kasumu is, so it'd be interesting to see um, how he deals with that threat out uh, of Wiggins. and hopefully he doesn't go down like a sack of spuds um, as easy as it was in the Oxford. But yeah, it's just it's a it's an interesting tale of a game because of um, Wigan and the MK slightly similar in the sense of. Um, can't put the chances away, and uh, they're not creating as much as we want. But um, I feel like MK will start to um, dictate the game the same as usual, and hopefully we can uh, crack on this time and get a few goals.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's funny you say that, actually, because, you know, again, we're playing another aggressive team, Wigan, and we have one in Blackpool. You know, you clearly showed the 25 fouls, and we mentioned in the preview how the try and get stuck into us and of course Oxford did clearly um, and yeah you know we're, and, and also as I mentioned chance creation we're, we're playing very similar teams and it shows that we you know we thought we were a couple of steps ahead of them um, but are we actually um, maybe not in terms of consistency that's for sure but maybe in terms of the quality we have when we do you know get a full flow as you mentioned Ross and hopefully we do crack on in this game. Uh, Jonathan, what are your thoughts on Wigan Athletic? I know you've um, you've written a preview on the game, so if you want to elaborate on those points in there, then feel free.
1: Yeah, well, first of all, I personally, obviously, we all know Wigan probably shouldn't be in this league, and if it wasn't for um, their off-the-field issues, we'd probably be, I think we'd be playing, Bar- is it Barnsley we would have had instead of Wigan? I can't remember, but uh, yeah, anyway, um, I think Wigan a bit sort of Underestimated. Obviously, they've lost a lot of key players. They've lost Keith Moore. They lost Jamal Lowe. Uh, I think Sam Morsi's moved on as well. And they had quite a, quite a really strong squad. But obviously, uh, times have changed. And I just think that um, Wigan, this sort of team, like they feel like they've been wronged. Obviously, with what's happened, like post lockdown and everything. And I just feel that they're, they're sort of playing a... Sort of them against us, right? They're going to relegate us, right? Let let show a bit of fight and a bit of. They obviously haven't got the creative spark that they they had before. Michael Jacobs was another one that um that was really highly rated amongst the Wigan fans. But um, I think going into this, I think I completely agree. They're going to be an aggressive side. They're going to look to frustrate us. They're going to look to slow the play down. Um, and it's going to be it's going to be a a game of patience for, for us, I feel. Um, I think if we get an early goal, God forbid, God forbid, we get an early goal. Um, I think, um, I think the floodgates could possibly open because um, I think um, Wigan will sort of be nervous. But it's going to be, it's going to be how we react from these last two performances for me, as to how well we do against Wigan. But these next six games, I think we need to pick up. Points in four of them. We've got Wigan, we've got AFC Wimbledon, we've got Northampton. I think we've got Hull, Sunderland, and Shrewsbury. In the next six, and you'd have to say we need to get points out of at least four out of them six to get a bit of momentum going going into the season.
2: Yeah, couldn't agree more. And nice thing is the League One is anyone could be anyone. You know, we saw that with our previous performances in, in the fact of like beating Gillingham and giving it. Which is a pretty good game, we should have won as well. Um, so you know, I think in any chance you've got a game, um, regardless of who you're playing. Um, so I think, you yeah, know, we, we thought I know John Jonathan, you gave the name Ominous October. Um, but you know, it can be anyone in my opinion, and you just need to put the performances together and as Ross said, crack on. So obviously, as Ross alluded to himself, uh, we've got David, no David Kasumu uh, for Tuesday night. He got himself suspended somehow managed to pick up five yellow cards already which is pretty incredible um so the whole oh, i thought it was it... quite
4: harsh actually on saturday by the way just just to, just to add it did seem yeah. like quite a harsh one uh,
2: i think the odds probably would have been that you would have got one anyway i think seven thousand committed after that you know i think um he would have got a yellow card um but yeah so th- the whole debate is who's in playing the pivot i think ross alluded to how to play in there um Uh, Joe, do you have any differing views? Is Houghton going to play there for you? Or is maybe a certain Lassa Sorensen going to get in
4: there? Yeah, well, I I think it will be Houghton. But I really would like to see Lassa Sorensen because I I, I know we mentioned about um, just giving Fraser a little bit of help. And one thing that just really strikes me in the two or three games that we've actually seen Lassa Sorensen is he seems to be the only sort of player on this team other than Paul and Harvey that can actually properly, properly put a really nice ball in. And I think it, against um, Blackpool, it wasn't that we weren't getting into the final third and getting into good areas. We had 21 crosses. So it's, it's we were getting into the good areas, but our, either the movement in the box or the quality of the ball into the box just wasn't good enough. And only two of the crosses that we made, so it was just under 10% actually hit an MK Dons player. And I feel that you know, that that's just something that is, is wasteful because you're working to get from your own half all the way up to the pitch. You get into the, you know just the side of the eighteen yard line by the corner flag, and ultimately just wasting away the opportunity and and and, and the attack's over. So I feel like Lassa Sorensen, I'd, I'd really would like to see him there, but I don't, I don't know. I, I just have a feeling that Russ is going to go with Houghton, but I think I I just I just feel we don't need to be that conservative when
2: we're playing three defenders. Yeah, I'm all for going for it to be honest. Um I just want to see some good attacking football. uh just you throw know, some attackers on there. <laughs> just throw some on. Yeah, just just go for it. Just go for it. Like you're you literally in the worst position you could be possibly at the moment. Um you know just go for it. If Martin if listen, this just go for it. Just play Sorenson. <laughs> um Ross did you have any oh sorry you mentioned yours didn't you uh Jonathan did do you reckon it'd be Houghton, the pivot or do you reckon sorenson
1: has a chance? Unfortunately I do well not unfortunately, no disrespect to Jordan Houghton, but I think it will be him in for Kasumu because I think Russell likes that that extra defensive player. But I can't agree with Joe and Ross anymore. We're at home against a side that is just above us. Um, that that let's be honest, I haven't got the best confidence. Why don't we just why don't we just have Gladwin, Fraser and Sorensen on the pitch at the same time? We're at home. We need Assert ourselves, get a bit of confidence. Have yep. have Houghton up and on the bench. Maybe if we've got a bit, if we're two or three nil up halfway through the second half, then bring Houghton on. But obviously, I just feel with the structure of the team, as Joe said, that we've got enough defensive cover to to more than um, cope with Wiggins uh, Wigan. So why don't we just take the handbrake off and and just go for it?
2: Yeah, I really couldn't agree more. Um, and, you know, it's not like Soros hasn't had experience in this position. He played it for a good year or two at Stoke. So he's not he's not walking into this uh, job blind or anything. Um,
4: I think that at Stoke they see so it yeah, more as a six it's... than an eight anyway.
2: Yeah, exactly. So I'm not sure if they had any discussions with Martin about making him more advanced or obviously we don't know that information, but I'm just throwing mm. it out there. OK, so we talked about, I think, let's get into starting 11s. Um, no, we did this last episode where we talked about what we thought may happen and we got reasonably close. Obviously, we didn't pick Mason starting, but, um, you know, after how Joe Morris been playing, you know, who's going to predict that? Um, so, assuming that we think it's going to be the five three two again or the three five two, 5 we all agree agreement on Fisher in goal? Yeah.
4: Yeah, I think Martin confirmed that in his interview as well.
2: Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure he did. Um, and then the back three, by the sounds of it, gents, you want to stick with Williams, Keo, and Lewington.
4: I wouldn't Absolutely. mind Is that coming
2: in. Yeah, um, I wouldn't I either. Williams
4: had Williams had a few shaky moments. I think it was against Oxford, and I he just, I, I don't think he's the best on the ball. But I, I, he just didn't. I just, I just wouldn't mind changing it up just a little bit.
2: Yeah, there's going to be elements rotation somewhere. Um, and, you know, after... I think once Russ watches the game back, he may consider putting a horror there if he's ready to go, which I think he was in... I think he travelled with the squad, so I think he is ready to go now after his concussion issue He's on the bench, yeah. Oh, is he on the bench? Oh, OK, yeah. So, yeah, he's probably all right yeah. to go then. OK, nice. Um, interesting here. Is it going to be Harvey and Paul again? On the wing-backs?
4: I, I could see one of Sorinola... Or Cargill coming in Maybe just change Maybe just rest one of them I could see it Obviously Paul and Harvey Are the number one choices for me But I could see it Maybe just one of them Being rested What about
2: Ben Gladwell Joe
4: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I've got yeah, am in
4: the middle oh.
2: Yeah okay Yeah I, I have no joke for you Joe <laughs> <Yeah>. um,
4: um.
2: <laughs> So I think reluctantly We're putting Houghton in the pivot Right at the midfield three Although we want Lasser,
4: it's depending on whether it's what I, what we want or what we think will happen. Because <laughs> I think <laughs> I, I, yeah. I, I personally want Lasser, Gladwin, and Fraser, but I can see it being Houghton, Gladwin, and Fraser.
2: Yeah, I think I'm in agreement with that.
3: I think the main thing is with Houghton; he needs to keep it fluent and he needs to keep it free flowing. He can't just stop and halt all the play. Um, and I feel like we're against Wigan, who. We'll
4: probably stick deep. We've
2: got to keep it quick and sharp. So. Yeah, just that. Yeah, well, that's why we talked about Sorensen, right? That's what we want in there, because he's a bit more agile, a bit more quick on the ball, and ultimately, in my opinion, better distribution um, and a better range of it anyway.
4: Him and Gladwin uh, have, have both got a superb range of passing, I feel, that we have that we seem to... I don't, I don't think, say, Kasuma and Houghton are, 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 by any means, bad passers, but they're it's short and simple, whereas... With Gladwin and and Lasse, you really do have that range, and and the option to ultimately mix it up a little bit if things aren't going as well as as they should be.
2: Yeah, definitely. And um, so, two strikers. Are we thinking Morris and Jerome? Does Morris get a
4: rest? Walker,
2: Walker, Walker and
4: Jerome. Oh, okay. I Walker,
2: Walker and Jerome. I've wrote down. Okay, I I like that Walker and Jerome. Yeah, I thought they. Um, I think Jerome definitely did a hold up play for sure.
1: Yeah, and, and as, as I think you alluded to it last week, he's uh, Liam. He's he's beefed up quite a bit as well. Um, Walker. He yeah. seems to put himself about a bit more yesterday. I know he didn't get much of the ball, but he just seemed a bit more filled out. If that's the right right term. Yeah, I think everyone's in agreement with that, and I think the
2: management are pretty impressed with him. So yeah, I'd like to see him get a game, and you know nothing's happening at the moment at the top. So why not switch? Oh yeah, yeah, we've got nothing to lose, have we? Um, how do he start every game? Uh yeah. Yeah, Morris, I believe so.
1: Yeah.
4: That's slightly concerning. That's yeah. It... that's why I think I'd just i I'd like to see maybe him rested and walker coming potentially.
2: Yeah, I don't make it. So okay, so we're gonna go with obviously Fisher, O'Hora or Williams?
4: I, I I I wouldn't be surprised to see a change.
2: Okay. Okay, let's be interested. Let's go with O'Hara. Uh, Keogh, Lewington, um we'll say Harvey and Paul but obviously they could be rotated um, Houghton reluctantly Vladwin um, Fraser and then Walker and Jerome so that's our predicted 11 I'll put that out before the game um, and we'll see if I'm right nice if you are right, for sure yeah so we've with- We've talked Wigan, we've talked No Kasimi, we've talked Start 11s. Let's talk predictions, the most important part of the episode. So, Jonathan, as you're the guest, why don't you start and give us your prediction for MK Dons be Wigan?
1: Right. A um, bit of a spoiler for the preview. I've gone a 1 0 MK Dons win. I just feel it's going to be one of those tight games, two teams that don't want to lose, that want to get a bit of momentum going in the season. It's going to be it's going to be one of those um, games where it's going to be frustrating, we have, where we will have a lot of the ball, and I just feel one moment of quality, especially if if we get that three, three midfield that we all want in Fraser Gladwin and Sorensen. I think if we if those three start, we've got a heck of a chance of winning. So I'm going to go 1-0. I'm going to play it safe. Okay, nice. Uh, Ross, what are you, What's your
2: prediction for the game?
3: Um, all of Wigan's attacks comes down that right, so I feel like if we neutralise all that attack, they've got pretty much nothing going forward Um, I feel like I couldn't agree more with Jonathan I feel like it's it's dependent on what we do with the ball Um, so I feel like if we do get our wing backs through and we do have decent delivery into the box I feel like with Jerome especially in there being the aerial threat and I know Wigan struggle with the aerial goals also um, feel like we'll
2: edge of this game so I'm, I'm going with a 1-0 Don's victory OK nice uh, Joe your prediction?
4: Yeah, I was, I was just having a quick little look and I, I can't remember I don't think we've actually played bad at home yet this season and it just seems that, that at home we're, we're consistently putting in strong performances and so I, I, I do think we'll win I'm going 2-0 and just a quick note five out of our next seven games are at home and so I just hopefully, if we, if we get a good win, there's a real chance to just build some momentum. And especially again, uh, with, with the opposition, I, I feel like, you know, AFC Wimbledon coming up, Northampton, Wigan, they, these are teams that are going to be bottom half come the end of the season. So I feel like we could really just build up some momentum if we get a really solid 2-0 win.
2: Yeah, I'm actually making it clean sheets across the board. And I also agree with Jiren, it'll be 2-0 win for MK Dons. Um, I just feel you know Martin's going to get the blend of attack and defense right this game, um, and it'll be a massive release to everyone, including us. For um, and I'm going to go actually a little bonus, tip, I'm going to go Walker to get the first goal as well.
4: So yeah, I think,
1: yeah, I'll, I'll fancy him for for a goal. Yeah,
2: so
1: can't believe we've all gone for a clean sheet, by the way. I it's know. very ambitious, isn't it?
2: <laughs> well, to be fair, we should have one on Saturday if um, you know. Bit more concentration in the box, but hey ho.
4: Thing is, we've not given away a lot at home. We at home, we you know the Lincoln game. It was a penalty that never should have been, and then one dodgy cross. Um, Ipswich was <laughs> just a hashed clearance, and then ov- obviously Gillingham. We 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 were absolutely solid as anything, and we really I f- feel as well the big pitch really just suits our game down to a t.
2: Yeah, exactly. Spread the ball around the pitch and make the opposition work rather than the opposite way around. Yeah, mm. makes a lot of sense. Okay, well, thank you for listening to Episode 8 of the MK1 Podcast. Um, we really appreciate it if you could rate, uh, review and subscribe. Of course, the reviews give us a lot of feedback on what we do well and what we don't. And we really appreciate you know, not only people listening, but also giving us that feedback. Um, as you know, it's nice to see and whether it's positive or negative. Um, Yeah, so that's it for episode eight, and come on, you dons.
0: Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.